0: Hey, this is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan FM Over 40 and Her Friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's definitely time to start the show. I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Beth. Um, two episodes ago, in episode 84, I talked about how to make friends during a pandemic and build community. And gosh darn it, Beth is definitely an example of both of those things. I met Beth on a Tokativity social Um, If you don't know what Tokativity is, it is a global feminist community for active cannabis consumers. Those are some of the words that describe Tokativity, but it's a really fun place, especially if you believe in the social and political equality of all people. Um, It's an amazing space uh, working to help bridge gaps in plant medicine and um, really taking a strong leadership position. And what's been really valuable for me is like making friends and connecting with people and reaching out and doing Zoom calls. And Beth was one of those Zoom calls. And now Beth and I are legit friends. Like I have so much fun hanging out with Beth, like um, learning so much from her. Like she heals so well with this plant. And I think once you've had some real... I mean, I've been, I'll tell you this. My friend Jess refers to me as quote unquote California weed Bevin because I didn't really smoke weed until I was like, um, 35 or so. Like I was really a late, late bloomer when it came to using this plant. So there's a ton that I still don't know. And, um, even still, even still like being like in the cannabis industry, like, um, creating It's So I listened to this song going back to Cali. <laughs> By Notorious B.I.G. the other day. Um, and it's the song I always play when I'm planning a trip back home to California, which is where I grew up. I grew up in the Bay Area. And he sang the lyrics I'm going back for the weather, the weed, strictly for the weather, the weed, and the women, or the wind, in some permutation of those three W's. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm going back to California to teach at a glowing goddess getaway retreat. In fact, I am going back for the weather, the women in the weed. Um, And I just was delighted. And um, there's just so much to that. Like there's so much richness in this community and there's so much richness in this plant. There's like um, this woman I follow on Instagram. It's a really heartbreaking story. Actually, her daughter is um, like now terminally ill uh, with cancer. She's like four years old. She has Down syndrome uh, and she's just a light. Like her daughter is incredible um and this woman's really into plant medicine and healing with plant medicines and um she posted all of these different types of tinctures she uses with her daughter Um, And it was like all of these things I only sort of know about because of people like Beth who educate consumers about how to use this plant to heal. So there was this uh, I don't even remember the name of it. The thing that starts with the D and it has the number eight in it. All of my cannabis nerds out there are like saying it out loud to, to me. Right. And then there was a CBG. Um, and a CBD, of course, and then something else I don't even remember, right? And I was like, wow, I didn't even know you could get all of these things in tinctures. This is how much I know, right? Uh, but there's so much to know about this plant. And to, um I think it's a really cool industry. It's truly a pioneer frontier mentality. We're basically creating it. Um, and I think something I really admire about Beth is front and center in this work is just acknowledging that there's still people who are in prison. Uh, because of this plant. And so uh, 40,000 people still um, is an estimate I've heard. Definitely follow Last Prisoner Project on Instagram just to find out more about that and how you can be part of justice and um, changing any of this. I don't know. There's always opportunities to help move things along and a revolution needs a lot of people doing a little bit. That's really, really vital is people feeling empowered to even invest five minutes a week in like texting resist bot and sending letters to senators and things about issues that matter to you and following people and connecting and con- intentionally consuming content by people, right? Like not just like, Oh, I'm going to passively follow someone and maybe the algorithm's going to show them to me like, but actually seeking them out because they're doing justice work that aligns with your values. And even just spending a little bit of time, like you're waiting for a, an Uber, you know, write a letter to your Senator about something, you know, it's, it's just, it's one of the or check on last prisoner project and see what you can, what can be done. Right. Like it's just little ways of empowering yourself so that you're not just like, leaving it all up to everybody else, I guess. Because uh, again, a revolution requires a lot of people doing a little bit. Um, but Beth, I think, is doing a lot and really showing the way um, as much through values as accessibility. I love just the thought of some folks like maybe in Oklahoma who have some land who want to make a little extra money um, could get connected to hemp farming and thus uh, have like a sustainable, viable crop for them that they can, you know, And but like not knowing how to navigate that industry um, and having people who just have gone the way is just gonna save you so much time and heartbreak as an entrepreneur. Um, I it's something I think about a lot is that as an aerobics instructor, I wanna be really great at aerobics. Um there's a quote from Steve Martin, be so great, they can't take their eyes off you. Um and I really think that's true. Like when you're in your zone of genius, you're a creator, um, like that's what you want to protect, right? But then also in order to be an entrepreneur, you have to be good at a lot of things. And it's kind of wild how much you have to, I mean, and I'll say good, like B minus effort. Like I don't, I've said this on this podcast before. I don't give a hundred percent to things like video editing. It's just, it's not my gig. It's not my wheelhouse, but I'm going to be adequate at it so that I can share with people about my aerobics, which I think are pretty great. Um, speaking of my aerobics, the best way to support this podcast is through the Patreon page. So Patreon, dot ncom is a membership support site that allows folks like you to support creators like me who make things that are of value to you. So if you value uh, this podcast, this content, my blog, my YouTube channel, anything, uh, or just me in the world, um, please come on over to my Patreon page. Um, it's patreon.com slash FKDP, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party, which is my aerobics class. It's for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. So if you've ever been called too fat, too much, or felt too awkward to dance, this is the supportive class for you. And my Patreon membership gets you access to all of my Zoom aerobics classes. And coming soon, I'm doing a Grateful Dead Zoom can size class once a month. It's going to be 5 p.m., probably on a Monday, maybe on a Tuesday. And um, I'm really excited because that's also Australian lunchtime. So any Aussie Dead fans out there who want to join us, but I really like, I've really enjoyed having people from all over the world joining my Saturday 11 a.m. Zoom aerobics class. That's just a regular Zoom aerobics class. It's really fun. Um Fat-Hu Dance Party is awesome and it's different every single time. I love to change the class and kind of just compose it based on the energy that's coming forth of like, who is going to be there and what do they need, right? So, you can join me for that with Patreon. I also have a membership that includes um on-demand aerobics classes, so check that out patreon.com/fkdp. I am because thanks to the pandemic, my entire income became the Patreon and thanks to my Patreon supporters for making this possible and making this my job. I am so grateful to serve. I love doing this podcast. It's so much fun to share you with my friends and share my friends with you and um, have you come onto the virtual porch with us, get into this wicker furniture, pull up your favorite childhood blanket around your legs and just meet my friend, Beth. Welcome to the podcast, Beth. Well. Welcome, Bevin. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. I'm so excited to introduce you to everybody. Uh, Beth is a friend I made during the pandemic, so it's totally possible. If you feel like you can't make friends because we're all, quote-unquote, stuck inside, that is not the case. Look at my friend, Beth. That's right. We met we on been,
1: Yeah, we have learned so much <laughs> about each other virtually and just, you know, working to make that connection. I love it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Making friends is just showing up. And connecting and all of that. And also finding the right folks to be like, hey, you want to have a Zoom sometime. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So Beth, I always like to start business in the front. Um, And uh, will you tell us about Hoi Palloi and all of your ventures and things that you have available in the world?
1: Absolutely. Um, Like a few crazy folks out there, um, I started a, a new business in the pandemic. Um, And actually, what I really did was I started sharing my frustration, my goals, my dreams, my real wants, desires throughout the pandemic, like many of us did. And that's, you know, that's really how we even got to know each other was these virtual um, sessions and, you know, for the most part, hanging with other women. And as I started sharing what I wanted to do, uh, one of the hurdles that comes up is monetizing our knowledge. And as women, monetizing our knowledge, there's a whole slew of, of you know, hurdles within the world and within ourselves, um, which is why self-care is so important. And you and I have talked and you've helped me with, go to the beach, you know, that's my self-care and it helps me think. Um, so
0: so proud of you, by the way, every time you go to the beach, I'm just like, uh, it's, it's the simplest things that like, like when I'm talking to someone, I can just hear it. I'm like, but you love that. So do that thing more.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm working too much. I just don't have time. And yeah. And, and it, you always have time for self-care, even when it feels like you don't. And I've learned that, uh, listening to you and, and some other wonderful people in my life. So, and that. That really did lead to being honest about um, my hurdles of, hey, I'm this successful, disruptive capitalist in the industry for about two years. And then I have to start another business, start another business. And working with women, I really tackled my hurdles. um, And when I started sharing what I really wanted to do, which is help people, I want to share my knowledge. I want to help people. And I believe in the American dream. I believe you can work and do stuff with purpose and still pay the bills.
0: Yes, not saying
1: it's easy, but no. it is possible. And yes. the more we do it, the more it will become possible, the more we can share that. And so hoi means the people. It's a Greek word that, that proletariat originally meant the riffraff. And so when Heather, our creative conjurer, um, was taking us through our branding process, and it just hit. I mean, we were all considered riffraff. We've still got what, over 40,000 of our our Black brothers in prison um, that are considered riffraff to this day, while many people make a lot of money, um, or myself, I am in the industry and I'm making money in an industry while other people sit in prison. I do not forget that. And that's why we wanna help the people and have the industry with the people. So how do you do that when there's, you know, um, states now with $25,000 license fees and these consultancies that are popping up saying, hey, you know, pay us 25 grand and we'll teach you how to do your business. We'll tell you how to do your business we're taking a whole different approach. We um, are offering advisement based on actual experience in the industry, and we are being very transparent with our 90-day process. We do offer a la carte services, but we really encourage people to look at working through a 90-day process with us. starts with a concept review with me. We really get you know, down and and dirty, so to speak, of what do you really want to do? And is it feasible? How are we going to do that? Then we kick into, okay, what's your budget, realistically? And when I say budget, again, we're talking muy poloy. so um, we're very transparent. You go to our site, you're going to see we offer 90-day packages that start at $500 a month, um, about $1,000 a month, and $1,500 a month. And we'll develop them with you what you need, and get you to a point that we both agree is your goal for that 90-day process. And the real key, very, 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 very important, is collaboration. Um, we cannot stress enough that we are a collaborative advisement group. We're not going to tell you what to do. We're going to listen, work with you, and advise. Um, and that's that's really what it's it's about. In a nutshell, of course, you know. There's a lot to that there's, you know, we can get into all the fun, fun stuff of CRMs to websites, but the the bottom line is what you need, what you want, we're going to help you get there um, in a 90 day affordable process, budgeting, all that. Um, And that's just really want to help people avoid a lot of the things that we went through. Um, Also just sharing some basic knowledge with our legacy growers um, that are afraid to go legit and really guide our, I, I really want legacy growers to know and legacy folks to know they can reach out to us, be honest with us and we'll get you your LLC, we'll get you your bank account, we'll, we'll get you in, into the game um, and keep you going. Um, as well as uh, we invite Gen Z millennials. Um, we are Gen Xers, but we are shameless about wanting to support the next generation in this industry, so we just, yeah, the people, the people, the people, if you're considered rip in any way, for any reason, um, and you want to start a small business in hemp, cannabis, or psilocybin, we're here for it, so I've been gabbing, but that's, that's really, you know, that's a long elevator pitch, but we're, it's, we're trying to be unique and helpful, and, and at the same time, almost revolutionary, in that we want the people to win, we want mom and pop, mom and mom, pop and pop, or whoever to own their own businesses, own their own land, intergenerational wealth, the whole gamut, it can be done.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay. So first of all, it's not too much gabbing. It is a podcast. Second of all, long elevator pitch is exactly what I mean when I say, tell me business in the front. And also just like, there's so much possibility here, like, and, and it's not almost revolutionary. It is truly revolutionary when you're putting power in the people's hands Mm -hmm. and to me, my, my way of putting power in the people's hands is to really just let them know your power is in your mind, your freedom comes in your mind first. And that and and setting people free one by one is the most revolutionary act you can do. And getting money in the hands of people in within an economy right now where there's so much wealth hoarding and where the government is really I mean, I cannot believe that any conscionable government that is legalizing or any Mm -hmm. level of uh, drug use when people are in prison for it. Mm-hmm. I love that you talk about that up top, um, and then just creating financial barriers instead mm-hmm. of creating equity around who can grow. It is wild to me, and mm-hmm. it makes me so angry. And I'm so grateful for people like you who see a need and go in there. And your rates for consultancy and coaching, like I'll say, I'm a, I am truly a product of coaching. Like I was mm-hmm. always a great Bevin, but I was never being my greatest because you need a lot of help. Like you're always too close to your own trees to see the forest. And you need that bird's eye perspective from people who have gone before you. And, um, and I'm so excited. I'm excited about people who just like randomly have land in Oklahoma who want to grow hemp, right? Who can come to you. And like, they don't even know where to start, but like can create something sustainable that might actually retire them when they didn't have like access to that. Right. And and figuring out equitable ways of like, you know, people, because if people pay you, then you are able to then extend that to other folks who maybe can't pay as much, who are, you know, coming out of prison and like, you know, deserve to, to be set up in a way where they can make money. Like it's, it's, I just love what you do. I think you're an, inc- an incredible revolutionary and I'm glad to be in the fight with you. To thank make you, thank
1: you. Well, it, it takes all of us and I think now is a time we we have a there's a really really amazing opportunity with a plant-based agricultural tech-based industry right there. You have the uh, industrial revolution everyone talks about. Well I would love for you know two three generations from now to talk about the plant based agricultural revolution, where farmers got to grow not Monsanto seed they got to grow their own seed, they got to grow their own you know their own plants, um, and that instead of chemicals and pharmaceuticals, I love telling people I am just turned fifty two, I take zero pharmaceuticals,
0: zero. That's fantastic. Not even
1: well. My endocannabinoid system, I study and learn as much as I can, um, as much as I can and incorporate CBD, CBN, THC in a very, uh, more thoughtful manner than I did in my twenties. Um, you know, understanding that, that system, right. I mean, Hey, I don't it. I had a great time in my twenties. I wasn't worried about health. I was worried about having a good time, but when you hit 50, Hey, this ache and pain is here. Mm -hmm. I want to take a pill. No, because I've seen my parents, my grandparents, great, you know, we've seen that. I still see it. What my, my grandmother goes through. No, I'm, I'm going to look at a CBD topical. I'm going to look at CBD. I'm going to work with plant medicine and, and ease those aches and pains naturally that in itself right there is revolution. I mean, everything we do with this plant automatically disrupts a system designed to make us sick and then charge us. It disrupts a system designed to make us work for them because we're gonna work for ourselves and each other. Every time you do something genuinely with this plant in any way, you are really disrupting the system. And it's a good thing. I'm okay with that, (laughs) I really am.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And also, like, I want to expand your potential client base, like, just so people understand, like, it's not just about like, oh, I want to sell something that has cannabis in it. So I need someone to help me navigate. It's also like, I mean, I work, quote unquote, in the cannabis industry Mm -hmm. because I teach at cannabis events. So it's not even like you have to be selling cannabis to be part of it you can also be a coach who teaches people oh, how to use cannabis or really you can be one of the people who studies lots of plant medicines and then and go to hoi polloi to figure out how to how to i mean honestly just figuring out how to monetize information age businesses knowledge based businesses is a really hard thing that i have studied a lot and it's so much yeah. helpful it's it's much easier when you have help and you have someone like just giving you a little bit of a path to follow or mm-hmm. strategy um,
1: and even, you know, we have this area we came up with called Get Unstuck because for some of us in Oregon, Colorado, Washington, some of the states that have been around, there's points in business, traditional, and in ours that you hit that you're stuck and you need a third-party perspective. Um, as an example, I'm, I'm in the middle of working with um, a management mentor slash training program for dispensaries. Just... You know, we have dispensaries here in the Northwest that uh, having been in management for decades, there's no training, you know, there's no support in that area. And when a dispensary reached out, I was like, sure, let's do this. Let's let's create really strong management bases and train folks so that we can, again, we stay in this industry, not, you know, oh, we're going to bring in you know, national corporation, blah, 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 to to run this. No, each dispensary has its own culture, its own personality, and needs its own management. And that's, that's what Hoi Pule really brings to is is listening to you, because culture is important. Yeah, processes, but culture, and what you want to get across, and what your the reason you're getting up every day needs to be incorporated into that business plan. It really does.
0: Yeah. And culture eats strategy for breakfast. If you don't have a good culture, like everything yes. goes downhill. And I
1: love that saying. I love that saying. True. It's so true. <laughs> so
0: true. And it's like, and, and I mean, just think about like anytime you've been in like a toxic work environment, do you want to go to your work or not? Like, I met this woman at Goodwill the other day who loves, she's like, this is the best job I've ever had. And I'm like, tell me more. And she's like, I was like, is it what you're doing or is it the people? And she said, oh, it's the people. She's like, the people here are fun and great. And we work together. It's collaborative. And I was like, that's culture, culture Mm -hmm. working its way up at a Goodwill, you know, like it's it's any place lives or dies by like how you create an environment. And most people who have the gumption to start a thing aren't actually necessarily the best people, people, or like understand Mm -hmm. anything about leadership or management. So it's really helpful to have folks in your corner teaching you like, hey, maybe you should read How to Win Friends and Influence People, like, which is like, it's such a weird name for a book because it really, I mean, if you're a good person, you should be influencing people, I think. In a, in a world like this, there's so many nasty, terrible, mean people who are influencing people, like maybe the good people need to have a shot. But also, like, I think that book is better at like, how, to, how to love on people and connect with people and motivate people without being a dick. And, yeah, like...
1: yeah.
0: No, you know, and that's a, look, I'm going to own it. That is
1: one of the things that's been great over the last or getting into this industry in the last couple of years. Um, I, I have a pretty darn successful traditional corporate career. Well, those of us that understand the corporate world um, know that uh, for me to be successful meant that this woman was a ball buster right? Mm -hmm. To win in that world, you play by their rules. Mm -hmm. And what I am hoping to do, or what I try and do now is fine. You're in my world now. And these are my rules. Mm -hmm. And it's called kindness, integrity, truth, you know, mean what you say, say what you mean, none of this. Yes, yes, I'm amazing. And I can do anything. Um, You know, you know, all that bravado and that, you know, I mean, I, I still see it everywhere of, yeah, we can turn your grow into a $10 million operation. Really? Really? No. You, you know, it's like all this stuff. Um, and now we have a chance. And it's so ironic because I'm thinking about it, it. It's a chance and it's been through virtual. I mean, we're now going to have more human contact, knock on wood, but a lot of this shift <laughs> happened in a virtual realm. Um, And as we're coming out of that virtual realm, I see those traditional, um, well, I thought of it the other day, Those traditional people that plant money to grow money. And then there's those of us that plant seeds to grow plants to grow a future. Mm -hmm. And I see those people that plant, you know, use paper to make money. They don't get what we're doing. They're Mm -hmm. really confused. And I watch them lose money, lose money, lose money. And it makes me smile because <laughs> they just don't get that it's a human interaction, collaboration. I don't know, when you're working with a plant that can heal, feed, clothe, uh shelter, fix soil, uh zero carbon, I I don't know, your whole kind of perspective changes about what you're doing.
0: Yeah. And there's just so much, I mean, this plant is so good and it has so much good to offer. I've talked about this before, but I really think it's part of the divine feminine rising. Um, cause that's, I mean, we're smoking the the female plant, right? Yes. Um, and it's softening. It's a thing that kind of takes a lot of the hostility that we feel from hyper masculinity and toxic masculinity. It like softens it. And, yeah. um, and I think it's part of the age of Aquarius, honestly, and, and part of the future and it's so it's it's kind of rad because actually in the process of being friends with you and like learning more about hemp um I've always had on my heart to have a clothing line and now it's like totally on my heart for it to be a hemp clothing line like you know what I mean and like yeah fabrics and and made in the USA like I'm like oh that can handle all of this for me when it's time for me to actually I'm not trying to have another business right now but
1: <laughs> no but it's, it's great time, and and it'll, you know, and that, you know, you follow that thought process through like a concept, hemp clothing, you know, and I, I always kind of go to the big picture, but that ends up being revolutionary because then we're not buying clothing as much, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. It is a good thing. A hemp pair of jeans will last you your life. Uh, a hemp shirt, even a, a cotton hemp shirt blend is going to last a lot longer uh, so anyway, we're, you know, just, just again, moving in that direction, which is kind of, you know, moving back to the 1930s before we went off on that racist, greedy rant, um, but also combining the tech and stuff of 2021 and the new generations. I don't know, I, I guess, after, I know we're in a shift, but I just think the future is pretty darn bright. I, I think we just got to keep working together to get there. I mean, not, again, not easy. But if we keep doing this and we keep collaborating, and the right people keep working together and building that circle, um, I, I really do see things changing a lot.
0: Oh, I like this is such a breath of fresh air. There's so few people who have a true optimism.
1: <laughs> oh no, definitely. I you know I, I'm I I've been an idealist too long. <laughs> I can't help. it.
0: It's great. It's good. It's my pro- it's it's my <sighs> position is to. E- it, like either be totally like sad and think nothing's happening, or to be like hopeful because that's what keeps me moving. So I choose hope, um, and I choose it every day, and I choose to believe yeah. that the best is still coming. Um, I also I I believe that if if we like America, humanity keep going in the direction that the masses are going, we're gonna tank our our only planet. Like this is not planet A. This is the only one we get. So like. Yeah people like you leading and like helping other people. I mean, this is the coolest part about a business like this is that you are exponentially increasing your impact on the planet because every individual and business that you help actually helps the planet. So it's just like, and then, and then they're going to help people who help people. And that's how we turn this, this disaster chip around. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and and you're right. I mean, I was thinking about like, we're, we get uh, one of the companies that, um, uh, promote and we're hoping to work uh, more with um, St. Bernie's CBD, part of the thing we look at is not only the product, but they're worried about their packaging. They're worried about their eco, you know, it, it's, it is the whole deal when it comes to a company. These are, you know, I, I like to think back, uh, I can't remember who said it off the top of my head, but when they, you know, oh, corporations are people, okay you know what
0: the supreme court said that
1: oh okay well great but anyway (laughs) my point is then let's be people then let's be human right if you're gonna say that then let's be human act human
0: yeah Um, act human like you're a human that gives a shit about other people
1: exactly and that what you do impacts other humans fine we are human let's let's act it instead of and i get it i am i am a Catholic. And I like to say that so people know that there is a way to pay bills, be a capitalist and still be socially responsible, which in turn disrupts things, which is beautiful. Disruption creates innovation. And I don't know, it's just it's exciting, even if I'm I'm still in the minority, um, but I don't think I am. I think there's I think we're going to see as people get more and more involved that um, or at least what I'm seeing is people go, oh, wait a minute, I can do that. Or, you know, there's and that's kind of what I like to do with our company is, is, you know, a a legacy personal meet me and be like, wait a minute, I can do what I'm doing, open a bank account, have an LLC, talk to a lawyer and have an accountant. Yes, you can you know, and it, the, the banking part's not easy, but I, you know, I work with a bank and I work with a, a credit union and I can help people because yes, you can stop looking over your shoulder. Yeah. You know, it, it, there is a way or, you know, and, and it is frustrating, um, that I had somebody that I'm helping and, and reminded me little things you don't think of. They started their LLC. Well, it's Blaze. Blaze started her LLC and she goes, Beth, I'm getting these letters saying I owe money. And I'm like, I forgot. She's going to get all these scam letters, right? But she doesn't know that. She's not somebody that applies for LLCs all the time. She's starting her business, her dream. And now she's got this mail coming at her, telling her stuff like the federal government requires you to have posters. Pay a hundred bucks a month, a hundred dollars a month to us, you know, and, and being able to step in and go, okay, this is what this is. This is what it means. Don't do it. And, and offering her that support so that she goes, Okay. (laughs) And, And it's that kind of stuff. I want people to feel comfortable stepping into the business arena. And it is difficult. And there are liars, cheats, thieves, greedy people out there. There absolutely are. But there's a lot of us that enjoy, you know, just doing what we do, right? Owning what we own and and being able to be true to ourselves and pay the bills. And I put it that way because I'm not telling you I'm going to make you a millionaire. I'm going to tell you, we're going to figure out a plan to be self-sufficient and pay your bills.
0: Yeah. My goal, I said this in the last podcast episode, but like my goal with wealth is to level. I, first of all, I want to pay my bills and be able to give money generously, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, those are goals. But yeah. I really want to get to the point where I have enough wealth that I can live off of 10% of what I make and tithe the other 90%. And to me, a tithe is not just like um you know giving to stuff that brings me spiritual nourishment which of course that's part of it but like it's also like mutual aid and redistribution and like interrupting capitalism because like if you have money flowing to you and you're a river not a reservoir you're push pushing it out into the places that that where you want to go and and using your values and I think it's important to make generous people wealthy and so like you know it, it you don't, I, if you're starting somewhere, like I'll say this, I started a small product-based business. For those of you who've been listening and know me for a long time, you know, I had a tea business for a minute where I was doing Reiki infused teas. I still love it. And I love the idea, but I'll tell you starting a small product-based consumable business has so many obstacles. And it was just one thing after another. And if I had had a coach at the time to help me like navigate that, like even, even not in the cannabis space, but like just having someone who just knows some shit, like, Oh yeah. Right. Like there's just so, and packaging was more than half of my cost. Like I couldn't oh, believe yeah. actual tea cost less than the packaging. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, I was like fondly looking at these uh, English tea companies with their fancy like tins that are specific to them. I'm like, I know how much those tins cost.
1: Cost. <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. And then there's distribution
1: costs and there's shelving and getting it in the right place on the shelf yeah. and planograms. And yeah, there's a lot of, lot of nuance to stuff and and you know and that's it's great that's what I've reached in my life too is is I've I've done a lot of this stuff and I want to I want to help people skip a few of those hard steps or you know maybe you think oh I'm going to start a product line and instead it turns into uh an educational support or an accessory line does something you know along the way, as you flush out that concept, you actually come up with something else. Yeah. Yeah. But it's always good. It's always, always good to find someone you trust to talk with. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I have people of a variety of ages that I talk to monthly or quarterly to keep different perspectives coming my way and keep me in check because the majority of my experience was in the traditional world. Mm-hmm. And though I know I don't want to, you know, that I don't want to repeat that when stress hits, when, you know, there's different points you, you can fall back into those old habits of, oh, I know what we got to do to be successful. And it's like, no, take a step back and listen to the guidance. And, and I guess that's, you know, that comes with age and wisdom too, is knowing to, to listen. <laughs>
0: And humility, knowing like, I think like everything, if you can have a humble confidence, like I think that's like super important. And also like knowing that you don't know everything. Like I, I would never go to a coach who wasn't also being coached. I would never go to a therapist who wasn't also in therapy. Like I think, and normal, by the way, normalized therapy, like going to the gym, I'm just going to say that I like try to really hammer that home in this podcast. Um, it's just, it's just like doing your reps. It's like keeping, yeah. it's like I can open my steam pipe once a week and just let it all go mm-hmm. and examine the things that I need to examine. Um, yep. and then, you know, I just, I'm a big fan of coaching, mentorship and therapy. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, Beth, I wanna to talk to you about your hist- your history because you've had an amazing life and I really want you to share your drag king story because I was a drag king too in the OTS in Philadelphia, but you were a drag king in like Denver before like the neo-drag movement even started. So tell me all about it. Um,
1: you know, it was such a fun, fun time. I, um, it's it started with uh, a friend of mine at the time, And I I was just feeling down about something. And I, and to be honest, I'm not exactly sure what, but I know there was like this down kind of thing, but God, she was just a funny entertainer, performer, human. And um, this was the 1990s. So, uh, you know, pronouns that there was a lot of things different in the Gen X, right? Okay. So I just want to be real clear that like the language was different. And the thought process was very different in the 90s when a lesbian wanted to be a butch and was okay if she passed as a man. And I wanna make sure, like I said, just so that people recognize we have made a lot of forward momentum on our language and where a human can can be with their gender identity. So my friend was a butch. man, I just want to perform. I just want to perform and have a good time. So I was like, why not? You know. And I managed one drag king just as a friend. And as always happens with my brain, I went, oh, there's something here. <laughs> there's something here. And what I realized was, and you'll understand this being in drag, 99.99999% of drag queen shows start close to two hours late. Yes. (laughs) Well, what do you do for that hour or two when everybody's already there, but they, right. So I filled the niche with anybody who wanted to be a drag kid and we just figured it out as we went. And it was a vaudeville troupe. of, um, it started out like the hardcore four. There was four from the start that we just, uh, We're committed to it. And I approached a mutual friend um, that's since become a best friend, but a mutual friend at the time and said, "Okay, I really want to do a drag king, just a drag king show at your club, not an opener, not a, you know, I just want these, these couple of drag kings to perform. And she said, well, Wednesday night's my slowest night. I don't have anything going on. If you'll take that night, no problem. Couple, I would say by a couple months later, Wednesday night was busier than Saturday and Friday nights. Hey. We had MTV out there seeing what was going on. Uh, Maury Povich, um, people got flown out to be on Maury Povich about what is a drag king. Um, you know what, in the moment you don't real again, revolutionary. The, in the moment, I didn't think starting a drag king troupe that traveled to different bars traveled to different things self-sufficient I kind of have a theme in my life but they wanted to do this for a living so most of them either had a part-time job or they did this for a living because we booked enough clubs and and stuff and there's a book being written right now because the whole process was very intriguing to me um there is a process someone goes through that becomes a professional drag king um, that is is interesting. I watched um, women do things that we don't like men to do and have to point out just because you're packing and have a mustache on, please don't go up and grind on people without permission. Do you like that? Like it was interesting This this persona And they're women, but but the persona, all of a sudden, the music and everything else, those heteronormative male feelings and the the bravado and all the machismo would start to happen. And it was almost like we we laughed, it was almost like taking them through puberty then of now we want you to be gentlemen. (laughs) And this is how we act when we perform this is how, you know, it, it was really interesting, uh, and some people, it was really just a fun side thing, some people adopted the lifestyle, um, we didn't necessarily call it trans back then, but they adopted the lifestyle of being a drag king, um, others, it was performance art, but it was, it was so wonderful, I mean, it was just a wonderful, fun time in my life, and Tina and the Zoo uh, Kings. It was Zoo Denver on 60 South Broadway. So if anybody's ever been, and we had Bunny from New York come perform. Um, I can't even remember we had a couple of people that heard about us and would come perform with us and, and I, all the videos and everything are are uh, with the person writing the book but, but yeah we've, uh, we've saved everything so someday there will be a book we've got VHS videos or performances. We were the first drag kings to perform at Gay Pride um, in Denver. There had never been drag kings. Um, We had drag mothers that helped us. Um, So there was a whole, yeah, a whole subculture that kind of formed for about two years. Uh, It still goes on. I mean, they still perform and there's a lot of performers out there. And then, yeah, we inspired many other people around the country to, to really get into it more. And I don't know. I love a drag show. Drag Queen, Drag Kings, Vaudeville, Comedy. I just, I love a drag show. Mm-hmm. And and every once in a while I'd put some drag on. Usually I was the MC or the manager, but I would throw a mustache on and look like my young dad. And
0: <laughs> it was very jarring to me um, when I was in the midst of my drag career, like kind of early on. I went um, to my Grammy's funeral and I saw my uncle Mike for the first time as an adult. And I was like, oh my God, he looks like me in dress. (laughs) Like same mustache and everything. Just like I I went out and like my vision for my mustache as a drag king was like this long handlebar situation which I had to go to a costume store to get. And um, I look just like my uncle Mike, it is crazy.
1: (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Yeah. (laughs) but it was like, you know, it, it, drag is so amazing. And it's, and I, I want to highlight this. It's amazing how the patriarchy just lives in our brain and yes. you have to unroot it. Like that's, that, that's the revolution is just like going through and finding all these limiting beliefs and all these ideas of like, what does masculinity need to be? I'm mm-hmm. really into like a tender masculinity, something that's mm-hmm. like strong, but like is here for good and for mm-hmm. For protection and for, you know, like, I mean, being gentleman. I mean, Lenny Breedlove talked about this all the time, like doing like a class for, for butches at the time, like to yeah. do, uh, to do like a class about being a gentleman, you know, and like just yeah. understanding the, how to, how to embody. Soft butch. <laughs> yeah. and it, and it doesn't have to be like soft butch, like gender presentation. It's right. just about a softness to the way you, ex- you express your masculinity without right. needing to be a colonizer, you know, yes. or an oppressor. And like, and it's so, because we were, unfortunately, I think our media and our, and our parenting and all of it, just in our schools, our systems just like teach us that there's this one right way to be a man Mm -hmm. and like teach us about like normalizing colonialism and violence. But like, if you think about it, just really pause and think like for 400 years, this land has been occupied from people who have inhabited it peacefully for 15,000 years. Like mm-hmm. that's such an epic amount of time to steward land and like steward the resources. The earth gave us everything for free and we mm-hmm. just came in violently, took it mm-hmm. over and then now like are fucking it up and mm-hmm. it, and created like money, jobs and bills, right? Like, yeah. whereas like you could literally live off the land. Not that yeah. that's, I think we can have a hybrid niceness. Like you can have a yeah. day spot and <laughs> live Absolutely. in harmony with the land. <laughs>
1: Oh, absolutely and that's that's the shame of it is is we've you know we've gotten so far off track that the basics sound crazy
0: mm-hmm.
1: live off the land what are you some hippie yeah well, no I'm a human <laughs> I haven't you know, my system, uh, you know, natural fruits, natural, you know, like, no, actually what? Yeah. And and I'm like, like you said, people get this image and it's like, no, we can, we can combine things. You know, you, you can live off the land and still live comfortably. Uh, In fact, a lot better when we don't have plastics and trash. And yeah, I mean, there is a better way of living. I think we just need to keep, we do need to use capitalism. And, and I just bluntly say that we may not want to, Mm -hmm. but that is the accepted system because getting deep money has no value unless we give it to it. Mm -hmm. So we have all agreed at this point in time, we, we are giving money back, um, get into crypto, get into crypto, but anyway, um, we are giving it value. So we do have to use use that system to move forward. And, hey,
0: tell me about crypto. You said get into crypto. Oh, I
1: love crypto. I think that's the, one of the most disruptive things you can do is be a small investor of 5 to $20 a month and just start getting your feet wet in crypto mm. to, to understand where we're going. Um, because again, and this is my opinion, just my opinion, what I've learned from my, my amazing nephew, um, who's in his late 20s, is the false premise of money having value. Well, we haven't used the gold standard or based money on anything other than a private bank called the Fed and the IMF. So it, it's based on nothing except what we make up where crypto is actually finite. It is based on way above my head to explain in detail, but it is based on a finite system. It's based on energy. It's based on what can be produced. And it actually does have a different style finite understanding. Um, It's just decentralized. And as soon as you say decentralized, that's where the traditional greedy capitalists go, no, how do I control decentralized? You don't, we don't yeah. want you to. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's, that's the real turning point for all of this is legalization, I've accepted. I wanted decriminalization. Um, a plant doesn't need to be legalized, but in our society, we've agreed it does. Um, to me, that seems beyond ridiculous that I have to ask, "Can this plant be legal?" <laughs> so, <clears throat> but you know, so it—it's it, all those things that we just need to use the system, turn it on its ear, you know, just turn it around and and take it. Um, and they don't understand. Uh, I, I watch, you know, like when Janet Yellen says something about crypto. That's when it goes up or now. Oh my goodness. It's crashing. It's crashing. Yeah. That thing that was worth a penny is only worth $49,000 today. Yeah. That's a crash. I I mean, they just don't get it. And I, and I'm okay with that. Um, I just want to be open to the younger generation. Keep teaching me because I want to get it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that surrounding yourself with the people of multiple ages is really Mm -hmm. good for you. For me, I've learned so much, like um, my mentor is 29 years old. Like I just learned so much from people who are young that it, yeah. I think it keeps me young. And yeah. I that's that's what I love. Beth, tell me where did you grow up and tell me your coming out story?
1: Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, and small, small town, Pennsylvania, a town called McCungee. Uh, I think Pennsylvania Dutch uh Amish country, yes. Um, So real, real small high school, like 80 some kids graduating high school, Um, 1980s graduation in high school. So there was no coming out. Um, (laughs) it, It did not happen in Redneck, Pennsylvania in the 80s. You did not come out
0: um i didn't come out and i went to high school in the 90s in the suburbs (laughs) of of san francisco so it was just not an environment for coming it
1: wasn't it it, and thankfully more and more areas are i know there's still areas that aren't and i recognize that and i i grew up in one that wasn't it was very um traditional german pennsylvania deutsch i mean boom 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 this is just (laughs) this is the way it is Uh, College started to open my eyes a little bit, Uh, and I would say by my, probably by my senior year, I kind of knew, but again, there's so much, um, back then, there was just so much society and small town, and oh, well, maybe you're just in college experiment, you know, there really wasn't uh, an invitation to be yourself, and my friends would have been open in college, they're all amazing still to this day, you know, it's not that. Um, it was just an inner struggle that my coming out story is about getting sober. Um, I could fool around with uh, with boys when I was drunk and I had a sponsor um, who I later developed a very long relationship with, but I had a sponsor that said, okay, you're sober. I dare you to go pick up a dude and just have sex with him. I'm like, dare me. I mean, you know, my personality now, you can only imagine when I'm in my early twenties, dare me. All right. I, I had longer hair, looked a little bit more feminine. Um, yeah, I couldn't do it. I was like, Mm-mm. what is wrong with me? This is all wrong. <laughs> so getting sober, um, I couldn't fake it anymore. I just could not fake it anymore. And that's, that's how I came out was when I got sober and my sponsor knew and and uh we did what you're not supposed to do but fell in love (laughs) you know it happens it does um and that's a whole nother podcast because that's the woman that i opened the tattoo body art shop with um i have chosen family with to this day um anyway but yes my coming out story really was sobriety it was So it was what, uh, early nineties, just yeah, getting sober. It was like, nope, this ain't right. And and from there, it's just never stopped. Um, Actually from there, I will say my coming out story, there was still a lot of uh, things you were brought up and believed and taught. So my first official full on gold star lesbian I was with is my wife. Every other woman that I've had long-term relationships with or relationship with was bi or leaning more toward the the straight side. Um, So again, another awakening was, oh, I'm a lesbian. (laughs) You know, but it's interesting. Life's, I have no regrets. My journey has been wonderful. I am, I am friends with every lover I've ever had. Um, I... (laughs) I mean, I have had a really, really wonderful life, um, you know, still a lot more to go. But yeah, I, I was thinking about that, getting ready for this. Of wow, I'm starting this business. I'm going to be talking about, you know, stuff because we're sisters. And I went, man, I've got people I've known for 30, 40 years still in my life or 30 years. Yeah, still in my life um, from those days. And, and it's just a lot of a lot of good good fun stuff. But, um, but I have always tried to be a human that'll at least be accountable when I'm not perfect. And I think that's why I'm still friends with everybody is, you know, I have a belief. If you love someone at one point, you probably still have feelings of some sort. And it's just a matter of if both those people can reach a point of friendship. Um, And that's not always possible. I, I understand that. I feel really really lucky that I could call up anyone that I've been with and they same thing they need anything or want to talk or whatever um that there's that friendship there didn't happen overnight um you know everything's a process that's why I love watching your stuff you know self-care morning um moving on from relationships new relationships we talk about it in a podcast like it's a five minute ten minute thing but it's months years sometimes, um, for those processes, but they're worth it. I don't know. You learn about yourself, even if you don't repair the relationship.
0: Yeah. It's so, I, I just want to point out too, like you said in sobriety, you, you realize the truth of your sexuality and the same. And you also said that about like going to the beach, you just kind of get quiet and then you can mm-hmm. hear the truth. And I think that's really something a lot of people are just afraid of. And that's like where addictive behaviors come in and like, you know, in work addiction, right? Like compulsively mm-hmm. working, or compulsively doing anything. So many things mm-hmm. can be addictions, right? And, and just allowing yourself some clarity, allowing yourself some space, allowing yourself just to reveal the truth of yourself. And mm-hmm. the more you get accepting and loving of yourself, the more you can be accepting and loving of other people. And like, that's how you maintain long-term relationships is like being willing to grow. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, yeah. it speaks to your ability to weather conflict um, that you're able to transition relationships from like romantic to... Uh, some some level of platonic but I still think there's a spectrum of intimacy that we get to have as people and we really discount the intimacies of our friendships and Mm -hmm. you get to have a friendship and I say get to because there's a lot of people whose friendships have have released right of of my choice or their choice but Mm -hmm. like have been released but plenty of people are still in my life who are like 20 I mean I'm only 42 so like 20 year friendships right no like I'm still friends with like people I performed drag with like 20 years yeah. ago. And yeah. it's so rad to like get to just know these humans and see them grow and like um and and just have that. So I love that.
1: And vice versa. I mean, like when I say 30 years, and I I'm sure you feel the same way when you look back, it's like, you know, people meet me now, right? And they get this perspective or whatever. But when I'm talking to somebody, you know, that I've known for 20, 30 years, they're like, so you still don't drink it's like oh my goodness i haven't touched i i don't remember the last time i drank yeah. oh you still get stoned oh yeah you, you know what i'm saying so it's like it's interesting when you find people that they have this persona and you have i don't like to say change grown I, huh. I really believe we grow i think that everything we've ex- we experience and and accept and learn from it creates growth i don't like to say changed i, I grew
0: yeah. I, same actually. I mean, okay. I'm constantly changing every, every yeah. moon cycle, full moon, new moon. I'm looking right? at what releasing. How am I, what do I need to level up in? How do I need yep. to, level, right. But like constantly just in the evolution of who I am, but your spirit stays the same. Mm-hmm. Um, And, and I think that's, I think honestly, all the changing I do just allows my spirit to shine more and more. That's really my goal. And, yeah. and, and honestly, a lot of that is from simplicity. One of my biggest gifts from this pandemic is the ability to simplify my life and commit yeah. to routines. And then still, because I know how important and healing human connection is for me, I've, been, I've prioritized connecting mm-hmm. with people and reaching out yes. and like making that part right. of my life digitally uh, yes. in this time. But like without all the bullshit of like having to run around to a bunch of different things or even, yes. you know, touring with my business, which was honestly, for my aerobics business, it was the best thing I did to mm-hmm. speed long-term client relationships because now probably about a third of my regulars on my zoom classes are people that I picked up on the road you know like yeah, yeah. So, and, and then they're friends right and like that's how it kind of <laughs> yeah. grows I think the most effectively like if I can get you in the door once like you know what this is about and if it's for you you're going to keep coming back and
1: exactly.
0: um so anyway it's just it's great to to just connect with people who understand about growth and growing and yeah. and leveling up okay I really want to talk about this because when we first met you had, um, for folks who are watching this on the YouTube, you can see Beth's like magic camera thing that has the magic like logo uh, hanging right there. <laughs> for me, I just have portraits of my cat that other people hate it. for me. Um, and so I want to talk about the Grateful Dead because that's my first impression of you with like dancing bears. And I was just getting into the dead at that time. And I was like, because the dead is my quarantine thing. It's, it's yeah, my like, yeah. um, so tell me how you got into the Grateful Dead and like all of your experience, like going to concerts and uh, doing a lot of drugs.
1: I am (laughs) a deadhead for sure. Um, You know, a little bit in high school, but really it was college, um, it was the experience. And I'm uh, a Gen X deadhead, which means I'm the last generation to have gone to concerts with Jerry and no cell phones. That's how I break it off. (laughs) Um, there's deadheads that take their cell phones to shows. I, you know, I'm the generation before that. Um, I had an amazing, I mean, the, the whole dead and psychedelic experience really, it's going to sound cliche, was mind expanding in college, um, to, to travel with friends and experiences that we had from you know, the goofy parking lot experiences of hanging out and having peanut butter sandwiches and then twirling and dancing, traveling to honestly, you know, if, if you're into psychedelics, you know, we had 10 of us, we were the Mary and Juana gang and we would trip and go to shows or trip and go hiking together and have experiences. And one of the the craziest things we did in college that I came up with, and we had, a great time with it is I tend to wake up early. So I would go around and they'd be called 6am drops and I just go while everybody was sleeping and drop uh, something on their tongue. And if you woke up tripping, you knew to come to my house and we'd go off on an adventure. So these were very different times back in the uh late 80s early 90s in college and I just want
0: to say to anybody out there don't do that to your friends unless they consent. Oh yeah, no 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 no. We know
1: a lot more about <laughs> psychedelics now. This is all this is all I like to say uh, if you haven't seen the movie uh Class Action Park um you don't understand Gen X. Uh, we survived. Okay. Um now there's a lot more education out there. <laughs> but but no really you know a couple of years worth of uh, traveling shows and the music itself spoke to me i mean to this day ripple is something that'll get me through the poetry um and the camaraderie that's where i first learned camaraderie that you can't explain and bonding that you can't explain um and when you experience psychedelics you do accept and experience that there's you know a non-physical world out there and, and I share that because I am not um, a religious person. I am uh, an energy karma person. I'm not really someone that believes in a higher conscience. I'm someone that does believe in energy though. And that came from those times, the music, the, you know, those experiences, I would say I went from being an, an atheist to someone that goes, okay, there's a lot of really amazing fountains not made by the hands of men yes in this world and you know so i'm i it really was mind expanding that way i think um and then you know after college it kind of dies down i you know i i mean i hit a couple of shows but life takes over but the music and you see i mean almost every sunday it's still a grateful dead time for me it it takes me back um and what I miss the most is the the feeling you get at festivals. I was just talking to somebody else. There is an energy. Oh, what well, was you? When you're dancing <laughs> yes. at, at Togativity. It was the closest i felt to that. And we were talking about when you're at a festival, there's the shared energy. And I was like, wow, as close as you could possibly do it virtually, right? It was kind. Of, it was feeling that way when we were dancing to the... And I know that's a lot of what it brings up in me and what I want to share, but that, I don't know, it's, it's fun music and poetry that brings people together. And it's hard to explain being a deadhead, um, but it's a family thing. And, and it, it, it's a unique understanding of life too, I think, because people get a stereotype and they don't realize, you know, Jerry Garcia and them, they love shooting guns, not what you would expect from a hippie. But yeah. I mean, they started out as the warlocks. They, you know, the Hells Angels were at deadhead shows. I mean, it's it's a very interesting culture um, that doesn't fit the stereotype that many think. And I guess the other thing I get a kick out of now is I see some of my old deadhead friends and, and um, I have one that has a Jesus bus that's all deadhead and they travel around and teach the word of Jesus through Grateful Dead music. I love it. It's like, teaching love through you know what I mean and and there's other I don't know it's just it's a it's a neat subculture that I don't know if we'll ever be able to feel it the way it was then Mm. and now I sound like that old person but before cell phones but there was there was something about non-digital connection that happens when you're a deadhead you would Run into someone you hadn't seen in two years at a show, but you felt it, you knew it, bam, across the crowd, you were there. Um, Yeah, that non-digital human connection. I don't know, I don't know how we balance or get some of that back. I miss that. I miss the happenstance circumstance. And I know with the pandemic, everything even has to be more planned now. Can I come visit you? Have you been vaccinated? What are your rules? What are this? I really, really, now that I'm talking to you, what I missed the most out of that whole deadhead experience is the non-digital kismet happenstance human interactions that were felt. You could feel them and make them happen. It wasn't, where are you? I'm here. Look at me. It's Evan's here somewhere at the show. I know it. I mean, you would have those feelings. And then, look, I told you, there she is. You know, stuff like that. i I
0: mean listen that hasn't happened to me in the pandemic but i will say even in a digital world i've had lots of those experiences where like you just show up somewhere and there's this person right and i used to go to a a feminist festival it's where i met lisa um and it had no cell reception so it was like we got analog experience for like a week at a time you just be camping and you you know six thousand people Mm. in the woods like you just find each other and um and you never know who's going to show up and i think that that magic is still available. Um, and yeah. I think honestly, something that has really been cool in this time is like watching dead and company shows. Like, yeah. cause they, I mean, it's interesting cause they used to, I mean, Grateful Dead was really um, innovative in terms of copy left because they just let people come in and bootleg their shows, uh-huh. And that kind uh-huh. of helped, I think 10 X how big of an impact they had on the world because more people got into the dead because of all these yeah. bootleg shows. And so I thought that was really, and it was mostly, I mean, I watched a long, strange trip on Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. It's like 2017 documentary. It's so good. If anybody out there is curious about the dead or getting into the dead, you have to watch this thing. I've watched it like three times. I'll watch it again. Like I get something new at every time. And I think there is, And I've talked about this on the podcast, actually a lot about the Christ consciousness and like this Mm -hmm. heart led people led um, sort of interaction where it's not about Christianity or hegemony. It's about like literally the, the teaching of Christ about connecting and loving people for who they are. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of that in the dead. I totally get that. And it's not, and it's not even intentional. It's just (laughs) like they came together using psychedelics to like melt away the ego and came together to create something that was purely spirit. And I will say I'm like dying to know what happened um, with the dead when they went to Egypt together because they like kind of gloss over this, but they tell a story of like how everything changed once they went, they understood more what they were doing once they went to Egypt together. And I'm like dying to find out. So
1: the, the story I heard, you know, and this is how it goes when you're a deadhead. The story no, I heard. Stories,
0: stories, this is what I want.
1: The story I heard was they, they took more, um, they had snuck in psychedelics to egypt right but highly illegal Mm -hmm. and the story goes that they were worried about getting busted so they took them all before they went on stage and that they apparently had like an incredible mystical experience while they were performing at the pyramids that yeah that supposedly changed their view of of how they saw and felt everything and I believe that because there's, you know, many of us, that's a theme. I mean, I could tell you there was a specific trip that I took that really like opened me up to Buddhism and yin yang. And, and I can remember just feeling, okay, I get it. I get the whole connection. And it's hard to explain. It's like, I get the whole connection. I can see what the struggles in my life are going to be. I could see this. I could see this. I'm okay. I know we're going to go through. Um, and But you get an understanding of connectedness. And I think for them, that story is that there it was, you know, one of those kind of ayahuasca experiences, that universal connection, the whole universe kind of thing happened for them, which I can see. I mean, man, you get up to that the music and you're jamming and you got those vibrations going on, and that's a whole nother theory. I mean, you get musical vibrations with pyramids. Um, who knows? I mean, vibrations play a very, very, very important role in that Egyptian history that we do not understand yet. So.
0: Oh, yeah, oh my goodness. Um, uh, thanks for that story. So this is the best part about connecting with people who have been into the dead for a long time. Like you hear the things that kind of fill in the gaps and help understand.
1: Yeah, and they're all stories you never know. But one of the things too that, you know, it's always interesting to look back on history And I like to remind people that, you know, like not only did the dead tour Egypt, but you know, they drove a bus around Iran. They, they drove through the Middle East and there are pictures of the Grateful Dead with women in colleges in Iran. I mean, there was, there's a whole history that we can't, I don't know. And like I said, I'm using the dead for it, but there's a whole history that we sometimes forget. It's not that long ago. Um, there's been a lot of things that changed in a not okay way in just the past 30, 40 years um, and it's time to correct that. yeah because um, you can't even, you can't drive a bus around the Middle East and let alone a the <laughs> further bus, you know what I mean and they they went around the world. We should be able to do that. yeah I mean I would like to get back to a time where anybody can get in their bus, throw it on a boat or a ferry and you should be able to travel anywhere around the world because humans are humans are humans you know it's not the humans in the middle east that uh there's any issues with it's this power structure it's this these few folks mm-hmm. that you know few as far as percentage but yeah
0: yeah, no, yeah. we need totally to remember
1: true. we were connected we were yeah. all connected
0: and our borders are are made up these are just like yes. i I was on the um, Syria-Israel border. I haven't been hardly anywhere, but I have been to Israel and Syria, uh, Israel and Syria, and like watching um, birds fly across the border and like bees buzzing around and they don't give a fuck, like cats. Like um, I was in the old city of Jerusalem and there's this cat that like, there's this Catholic part and then there's this like Jewish part and then a Muslim part, right? the cats do not give any fucks. And I had the most <laughs> spiritual experience. Like I was in the place where Jesus apparently like was laid out some, it's like a Catholic church now. I touched the stone, right? But I felt the most mystical connection with this like black and white cat that like I was giving Reiki to like outside of the church. Like I was yeah. like, cats are, cats get it um, yeah. and like, it, and people just make up these ideas and these categories out of fear mm-hmm. um, and resource hoarding. And it's time uh, yes to dissolve borders. It's time to dissolve all notion of separation and just allow us to just create a new level of humanity, mm-hmm. Age of Aquarius.
1: Well, um, and again, I mean, even you could, the state borders, it is ridiculous that, you know, I'm in Oregon where everything's decriminalized. Oh, the sky didn't fall, by the way, folks. The sky <laughs> did not fall. I just really want to let everybody know we decriminalized everything and the sky didn't fall. Um, but now if I cross a certain border, there's still states that if they find a seed of my cannabis, I could be going to prison. It's insane. It is literally insane. And enough is enough is enough. And, and I think it's, you know, I think part of it too, and that's why I want to really support millennials, Gen Z's, alpha, whatever you want to call yourselves. Those of you coming up, you know, I want to remind you: history is we weren't always like this. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've always needed to grow forward, but we really went off track in the '90s, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, that I mean, and I'm that's what I'm going to say because I'm 52, right? So that's where my <laughs> I own my biases. I always own my biases, but our country went off track in the 1930s, and then worldwide we went off track in the 90s in my opinion and it's time to revisit the 1930s agricultural human process and interactions and businesses yeah and just do it that way we really went off track in the 30s when we went plastics and oil and systemic racism around our plant culture
0: Yeah. yeah so true yeah. How can people find you in the world?
1: Um, the easiest way to find me is Hoi H-O-I-M-A-G-I-C.com. Hoymagic.com. That'll get you to myself, my team for Hoi Polloy. Um Instagram, I'm Hemp Huntress. You know, most anywhere else I'm Hemp Huntress. So from TikTok to uh Facebook to Instagram, hemp huntress. And then uh my company and my crew and my team, Heather, Austin and, and Amy, that we would love to meet and help you out is uh HoyPloyAdvisors.com or like I said a little bit easier to remember, hoymagic because uh, the magic happens when we all meet.
0: Yes. Oh, that's a good Little tiny URL. And I just want to give a pitch for following Beth, both full full of delights, but also lots of fun merch and discount codes. Like, I'm actually excited. I'm glad you mentioned the St. Bernard folks because I keep meaning to buy that CBD gum. And, um, like right like so there's just so many uh, connections you have because you're just i mean you're starting a new business but you've been in this industry for so long that you have so many great connections and you love yes. to share the plant so definitely worth a follow and a connection and and also if you out there feel connected to Beth hit her up she will totally connect with you and Absolutely. like and help you understand if like what you have going on is a good fit for hoy magic because yes. I think, I mean, I just, I can't say this enough. I just want to really land this. If you're an entrepreneur, you need help more than you think. And I tried so hard to start a product-based business with no help and no capital. And I would have been better served uh, with my resources to have had help. And so I can say that as like, just, and I have a lot of help
1: now. (laughs) One-stop startup team, right? One-stop startup team, because every entrepreneur wears too many hats. Yeah. Let us wear a few of the hats for you to help you get started. And, and and help you be able to wear those hats. We get it, we really, really do, we get yeah. it. Yeah,
0: oh, so good. Thank you so much, Beth, for sharing, for being here and just being you in the world. I'm so glad to be part of this revolution with you. And um, I'm super hoping to get you uh, looped into some of our glowing goddess getaways this year, yes. um, which are yeah. like both a mix of, they're all gonna be a digital component. And then there's like three in-person ones, but like at least the digital stuff, you're there with your camera. Uh, <laughs> It's what is it? It's sparkocam.com. It's yeah, the sparkocam.com is a nice song. <laughs> and also I'm gonna put in the links for this note, uh for this uh episode, your playlist of Grateful Dead songs. So if, oh cool. Yeah. It at, um it's good, it's a good list and um and also ripple's one of my faves. Yeah. Um and so i I love that you love ripple. I can't wait to have a fountain that says, that has that quote, let it be known there's a fountain. <laughs> not, not made, made by the hands and, men. and just okay. like have that swirl in the middle
1: yeah.
0: um you know may I be fountain rich uh anyway well, soon
1: <laughs> and, and my hope is that soon you and I get to twirl together in person
0: yes oh my god I'm so excited so yeah. signing off thanks everyone for tuning in and I'll see you next week